Hi, everyone. So this episode, Adventures in Babysitting, was recorded pre-pandemic. Um, so if it's not referenced, that's why. Yeah, so if you feel like it's weird that it, we seem to both be in the same room, we were, but we're not now. And that was long ago in the before times. <laughs> so take back your shame. Yes, and please to enjoy Adventures in Babysitting. Adventures in Babysitting. Hello and welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's a podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian adventure through the movies of the 1980s that we love or love to hate, uh, looking back with modern eyes to see how they held up. Uh, and this is a movie called Adventures in Babysitting, a movie selection from Adventures in Babysitting, or as I pretty much think it should have been called, Adventures in White Privilege. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oof. We went directly from a movie <sighs> that held up perfectly Oof. to a movie that does not hold up at all. There, There is a theme to this podcast, and that ultimately is about revisiting some of the, the movies that you saw as a kid mm -hmm. and how they've held up. It's not just, a, you know, a, a celebration of 80s movies, but it's a kind of about the things that molded us and shaped us as kids and um, and then kind of returning to those stories and yeah. with new eyes, and with adult eyes. Seeing how weird and terrible they are. <laughs> oh I'm God. so relieved. <laughs> I was really worried that this was like one of your Keystone movies. No. I mean, but I remember watching this movie over and over and over and like and loving this movie. But oh, my God, I have never there are more sex jokes like this is like a sex comedy romp, you know, like especially the Anthony Rapp character who's like the geeky best friend, uh -huh. the geeky kid that's getting babysat is just like 
gross little horn dog <laughs> who is constantly making sex jokes and they're crass and they're gross and they were embarrassing to see with my kids. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. there's like so many bad words in this PG-13 movie. There's at least two fucks. A yeah, handful a, of assholes yeah. and, a, and a sprinkling of shits. Back in the day when you can, uh, I mean, now you can only have, for a PG-13 movie, you can only have one fuck. Yeah. And in, there's two. Yep. And there's also, like, the movie is racist. The movie is homophobic. Like, it's terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry to those of you who have tuned in to no. hear about a movie that you've loved or was influential it's basically about like kids from the suburbs going into the city and both being threatened by and um like shockingly like using their privilege to like uh-huh. hit people's faces. Um all right. The so power of white suburbia. Here we go. So uh Elizabeth Shue is getting ready for uh, a very exciting date to a French restaurant. I'm, Bradley Whitford. I'm so excited that, Whitford. that her, her dream boat is Bradley Whitford yes. from the West Wing. And the first thing he does is show up and cancel on her, which I'm like, what time was their date? Like 3 p.m.? Uh-huh. She's ready to go. It is 100% daylight, and she has time after he cancels on her to not only change, hang out with her friend, Barb, or no, Brenda, who is proto-Barb, right? Like mm-hmm. Stranger Things owes uh-huh. its Barb to Brenda. And then decide to go babysit for a family. So their date had to have been at 3 p.m. <laughs> on the Ferris Bueller timeline. Um, so off yeah. she goes to babysit for a little girl who, and I will say this for the movie, at least the little girl isn't obsessed with something cliche girly. Yeah, she she is obsessed with Marvel's Thor. That's which, right. Who nobody is... knew anything about in 1987. Oh yeah. Like I mean co- super comic book people, yeah, but like there was no Thor in like the the mainstream zeitgeist, right? It's, yeah, it's so bizarre. It is. And I But in a good way. I read that uh Christopher Columbus who this was his directorial debut. Yes, C- Christopher Columbus of Home Alone, of uh, Harry Potter, of um he wrote Gremlins and Goonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is his first kind of like um you know, like the the street cred that he had earned from writing um Goonies and Gremlins. This is his directorial debut. Oh, and and so he it was meant to be Shira. That she, the, the little uh, girl was obsessed with Shira, who very much was in the 1987 zeitgeist of, like, what a kid that age would be into. And he was like, no, 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 no. Let's make it the Avengers. Let's make it Thor. <laughs> and so when I first, like, remember hearing about Thor movies, you know, the Chris Hemsworth editions, I'd be like, oh, like, from Adventures in Babysitting. Uh-huh. Like, Vincent D'Onofrio from Adventures <laughs> in Babysitting. <laughs> it's a total surprise to me, because re- I've only seen this movie once. And when I saw it, we rented it on VHS. So it's yeah. been a while. It's been a while. We yeah. got it from Superstar Video. Uh, R.I.P. Um, and uh, and and so I remembered it, and I remembered it. It's like, oh, okay, that was fun, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I think I probably like ended up watching this movie a little bit more because it was like, oh, the main character, the Ferris Bueller of this story, is a girl, you know, and yeah. she and she's this having is, to like use her resourcefulness. Yeah, to this is one year after Ferris save the day. Yeah, one year after Ferris Bueller's uh, day off, and this is kind of the. A, in some ways, a Ferris Bueller, a female Ferris Bueller. Yes, I mean she's not like it, but but what is similar is that it is one of those crazy wild night movies. Yeah, to where they they have like 
12 encounters. They encounter new different scenarios that challenge them. Mm-hmm. People who challenge their original beliefs. Yeah. It's kind of like a very teenagery, puberty, coming of age, entering the real world story. Yeah. You know? Like stepping outside of your bubble and seeing that people aren't necessarily as good as you think they are or as bad as you think they are. And then sometimes they're exactly as bad as you think that they are. Yeah. And so it's usually some dweeby character who's taken on an adventure who's kind of resisted entering the real world, you know? Yeah. And and, and kind of, you know, in, in Ferris Bueller, it, it's kind of a flip that Cameron is that character. Mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller is kind of the mischief maker, the... the the, the hand that's bringing him along through these adventures, mm-hmm. whereas Ferris Bueller's totally fine having these adventures, you know? Yeah. But usually it's a character who's who's taken... I, I feel like there's a... Is there a John Hughes version of this? I'm not sure, but... There's a lot of versions right. of this movie in the 80s. Yeah, but, but basically they've learned something and then they return to their normal world, like Dorothy, yeah. and then they, they are now like... An adult, Better, and they can they can finally either. stand up to their their mom, or they they can tell them that they don't want to go to college, or mm-hmm. or I will go to college now, and and there's been some sort of transformation of having gone yeah. through these adventures. Chat. So okay, so uh, while she's there babysitting for like I was so confused. Like eventually they tell you that Chris Elizabeth Shue is seventeen, but the kids that she's babysitting for babysitting for Sarah, I would have to say is probably thirteen. And so that would make her older brother 15. But I was like, everybody looks 30. <laughs> everybody looks the exact same age. And so the the older brother has a crush. Like, a that's his story is that he's got a huge crush on Chris. Mm-hmm. And she keeps referring to them as children. And I guess it made a little bit more sense because the mom was like, oh, he's leaving. He's not going to be here. That's A, why he's not babysitting his own damn sister. And B, why... It explains why you're not supposed to be babysitting him because you don't need a 17-year-old to babysit a Mm 15-year-old, right? She's there to babysit the little girl and the brother just decides to stay instead of go with his best friend, Anthony Rapp, who is a nightmare in this fucking movie. (laughs) Uh Um, So the little sister, Sarah, she's into Thor. She's into roller skates. She is into um, uh, mismatching her colors and I, I love her. She's like, that's me. So I was seven when this movie came out. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm I, I'm her. Mm-hmm. That's who I see myself as. Um, the older brother is a goober. He's a dork, right? Yeah. He's just oh, a yeah. little He's dweeb. the worst. Um, and then his friend is this, like, disgusting hornball douche canoe who, like, just has oppositional defiance and is borderline sociopath. Because every situation they get yeah. themselves into, he, he, he just wants to make it he's, worse. Yeah, he's he's kind of a cliche trope machine yeah. of like the horny kid. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you know, um, this definitely feels like a first movie. Like uh, Chris Columbus is still getting his sea legs. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I would say there's definitely aspects of what his his later better work is yeah but he's still kind of like the characters are not as vibrant or dynamic you know um it's it's still kind of a prototypical chris columbus at this yeah. point yeah so the the sort of like an initiation of the whole movie is that barb no it's not barb her name <laughs> is brenda uh brenda has run away from home 
where she hates her stepmom yeah. and she's ended up somehow at the bus stop. So yeah, so so all of our characters live in suburbia and in then, like giant mansions. Yeah, and then the and then the again kind of like John Hughes, you know, very similar um to Home Alone, yeah. Yeah, so so and then the big city is Chicago. Yes. And they, so she's in the city and like in the little time we see her at the bus stop, which by the way, I had to keep reminding myself the whole time because our mission is to rescue Brenda. Right. Brenda got her own self into this mess. (laughs) This is a Brenda's situation of her own making. And maybe she needs to learn a little lesson, (laughs) Uh, but she calls collect and begs Chris to come get her from the bus station where uh, she has no money. Um, She's run away from home. There's a homeless guy who's like, get out of my house when she's in the phone booth. And there's like a flasher with like a long trench coat. But instead of flashing his uh, uh, wang doodle, he's got a gun. Yeah. The the movie, the tone of the movie is very goofy. I would say. Super goofy. I'm surprised that it's PG-13 because it feels like it's, it's really, it's like, so a lot of these movies are aimed towards teenagers Mm -hmm. and i feel like this one like the style of the characters how broad the characters are it's almost aimed closer to the lower end of the teenage spectrum like the tween it's aimed at daryl yeah Yeah, it's it's like daryl is the target audience 12 to 13 Mm -hmm. is i feel is the kind of ideal audience member as opposed to a lot of these other movies where it's like the people who are contemplating leaving high school and going on with the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. you know yeah, and it's, it, it's, yeah. It's like with Ferris Bueller, it's like he, he right at that precipice of leaving the womb mm-hmm. of high school and going off into the real world and being an adult. That's kind of like the subtext of these movies, you know? Yeah, that you're leaving your safe space, suburbia, suburbia, and now yeah. you're in the city. Yeah, where literally anything can happen. Um, yeah, and this movie is just like so not dialed into like what's appropriate and what is just gross like daryl makes a rape joke uh-huh. and like there's just open racism it, there's a lot of gross shit in this movie yeah um anyway so they go out to rescue barb um and there is a central thing in this movie would you call it a MacGuffin of the playboy yeah so yeah, yeah. so that the MacGuffin is the thing that everyone cares about and and we and it's like all right cool yeah it's like the so, spy plans the microfilm exactly and the it, briefcase it starts out as daryl just has this copy of a playboy and the centerfold the woman looks like elizabeth shoe mm-hmm. okay so as they're driving into the city they get a flat tire and of course there's no spare there's no spare but she also does not have her purse yeah so she has no money to fix this situation so the first thing that happens is that they get picked up by a tow truck driver who at first seems like very altruistic. He's like, I can't leave you kids out here. I'll take you to, to Dawson's. I'll buy you a tire. I know yeah. I'm a scary looking monster. With a hook hand. With a hook hand. But come on, guys. I'll take care of you. It wouldn't be right for me to leave you out here. And you're like, oh, my God. They And they're... They're terrified of him. Yeah, they were absolutely terrified, and he turns out to be a nice guy until mm-hmm. he gets a call from his friend saying, oh, my God, your wife is totally getting boned right now. He's over there right now. And then he just pulls a gun out of the out of the glove compartment, and it just turns into a mess. Yep. It turns into a gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> where a guy with his pants half off comes tumbling out of the house, 
there are gunshots ringing out, whizzing past these children's faces, mm-hmm. and they have to run yeah. from the gunfire. And they hop into a car that happens to be open. Lo and behold, this car is being stolen. Right, by the first non-white person in the movie. That's right. He is actively Oof. stealing this car. Uh, but he is also nice. He's yes, like, you guys exactly. will be okay. I just, I got to do a couple yeah, of and, things. And, and, and in terms of like who you meet mm-hmm. being different than who you expect him to be, he turns out to be basically one of their biggest allies in the movie. That's right. And he's just like, this guy is chill as fuck. Like, yeah. he, he has he has the opposite of zero chill. He has everybody's chill. Because he's just like, oh, some kids are in my car now that I'm stealing? Okay. Um, oh, they're going to get murdered by my bosses? Mm-hmm. Okay. What, they're escaping out the roof and shimmying across the rafters of the ceiling? Good for them. Like, that's his... Mm-hmm. He's just, like, in it for the ride the whole time, rooting for the kids. And, like, yeah, he's on their side, but he's also with the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, so... He takes them to yeah, this, and, and I feel like, like if this movie was made now, he mm-hmm. would have been the love interest at the end, almost kind of like the the Charlie Sheen character in in um, uh, Ferris Bueller, one hundred percent, like the Absolutely. dangerous guy who's willing, and then that would have symbolized that that she's not looking for this prince charming, but someone that she has a connection with mm-hmm. that is maybe like the person she didn't know she always wanted or whatever, yeah. you know. And instead, she actually, like, literally meets, like, a Prince Charming. Yes. Literally. Yes. <laughs> well, figuratively. Um, well, let's I think let's that w- use that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I think that would have made a better movie, right? Because uh-huh. this guy's hot, and he's, like, helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's clearly resourceful and, and street smart and all that stuff. So they um, basically escape, like, they get put up in a, they come to a chop shop. Basically, which is where... But there's also a big boss gang meeting going on. Yes. (laughs) All the Italian big boss gang meetings. We're meeting tonight. And the creepiest, 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 creepiest guy is just like, I'm going to kill those kids. I know we've got a contract to to deliver all these Ferraris, but I don't like them. Let's not do it. (laughs) 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 Um... So they, the kids and Chris are all up, like up in a like upper office room, and they just shimmy out the ceiling and walk across the ceiling and mm-hmm. get away. It, it so this is it goes outside the scope of the movie, but like so, I watched our previous episode, Aliens. Mm-hmm. I watched these movies back to back. We're yeah. we're recording a double. Yep. Um, and so even though. Aliens was a half hour longer than this movie. It's like, oh my god, this movie just kept going on and on. It was like, it sure did. Whew. Yeah, it's yeah. um, because it was just thing after thing. So that what happens after they yeah. escape the, from the chop shop? Which, by the way, they steal a Playboy, which is the same Playboy that they had that got thrown out the window. But this one has like gangster info in it. Yeah. So Secret now they're being gang- pursued. So, yeah, and then there's another kind of running gag is that. They've, there's this Playboy. Miss March looks exactly like Elizabeth Shue. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're, yeah, the running joke is like, "Are you Miss March?" She's like, "What are you talking about?" Right, uh, and and obviously, and then the criminals wrote their secret messages in the Playboy. I guess he was on the phone and he reached for something and just writing down, or maybe they were just like having a lunch and he's like, "Dude, I got some great ideas." 
and then he just writes it on the most available thing. But either way, which is the, the Playboy that everyone keeps open on their desk? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's the MacGuffin. That's the thing that's got the secret boss notes in them. And that's why they're being pursued. So was it a bunch of math? Because if it was just like, oh, reminder, we'll tell Philly that we're going to do these yeah, no, many cars. That. And he just has, apparently just has a terrible memory. Terrible memory. So what, what was it, like 10 Ferraris and three Porsches? Like, dang it, I really don't want to like... I can't get it wrong. I can't get it wrong. And he takes, this big boss takes such a hands-on... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, There's like a big boss, a mid-level boss, and then our car thief guy. Yeah, and they're always in the car together. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> you know, it's like so he doesn't want to delegate. The big boss is going to go on this mission with mm-hmm. all of them. That's some hands-on managing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's taking a, a page out of the Patrick Swayze book of leadership. Right. Be nice. Do it yourself. Um, okay, so they end up in a blues bar. Yes, where they're not allowed to leave without singing right, the blues. They, so, so I've it's been a while since I've been in, into a blues bar. So maybe they've changed this since 1987. But when they accidentally step onto the blues bar stage, they decree when they try to leave. It's like, no, you have set foot on stage, and by the rule of all blues clubs, you must sing before you exit. That's right. That's, yeah. So that must have been phased out. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it or maybe it was just that bar, like, or if you're just going to an authentic blues bar or not, right? But what doesn't make any sense to me is that, like, then she proceeds to, after a lot of hemming and hawing, <sighs> sing a song about how she has the babysitting blues. Yeah, the 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 whitest blues number ever. And all of these people who are at the jazz club for a good time are just into it. Yeah. So this this kind of represents my problem with the movie is. With, with, with that it's so twisted in in so like again like these kind of movies these one wild night movies it's mm-hmm. all about like going into a place where you're intimidated and then you magically transform everyone around you and they accept you and like you now right you know so they walk in you had it in you the whole time you had the right. blues in you the whole time elizabeth shoe yeah and, and so basically like there's this shot where there's like 50 African Americans, yep. people of color, giving them stone-faced, we hate you, and then they sing their their white man blues, and baby, then everyone baby, is like cheering baby, and and loving it. Sitting blues, baby, baby, yeah. baby, sitting blues, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah. we love this baby sitting blues. A, a better, we can't relate to it, but we love it. A better version of that same scene is the biker bar in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is of course which is dialed up to silliness, mm-hmm. but also done in such an a, a, a ridiculous way. Yeah. And so, like, everybody was like, yay, we love you guys. Oh, my God. Never come back again, but we love you. It's so it's so gross. Like, it just in, in 2020, watching this movie is gross. Um, okay. So then they're just wandering again. They meet a 17-year-old hooker, which reminds them that they're supposed to be rescuing their friend Barb. <laughs> Not Barb, but Brenda, for God's sake. Uh, meanwhile, she's at the bus station, and she's, like, holding on to kids. For some reason, she thinks she finds a kitty. At the bus station. Mm-hmm. Her glasses have been stolen. Mm-hmm. It's a giant rat. And she just like proceeds to be rude to everybody she encounters, which is what bothered me is that she's not like, oh, my God, somebody help me. I'm just a fish out of water. Like, give me a she hand. Has, she's on a similar journey, but she does not learn the lesson. No. Like when she tries to get a hot dog, mm-hmm. she's like, I have this check. Uh, 
it's from it was written from my friend's mom to her and then she wrote it over to me so i'll write it over to you and then you give me a hot dog you and give the me the like, difference and a hot dog yeah. yeah and she's like i'm not taking a check yeah i wouldn't take a check no for a hot dog and she's like well i need a check i need a hot dog and he's like well i need a cash and she's just like really rude and mean to him He's in the right in this situation, uh, but he does say to her, you slip me some cash and I'll slip you the wiener. Uh-huh. So that line is in this movie. And you don't just, get my wiener. Yeah. She's really, that bugged me is that she's not in any way like uh-huh. nice to anybody that she's encountering at this bus station. She's like bringing it all on herself. Anyway, then they get into a gang fight on a subway. Yeah. From the, is, is, they've accidentally entered the warriors and so you've got yep <laughs> two opposing gangs on the subway in a subway car who are like just don't notice these suburban kids in the middle yeah it's very west side story they're making beautiful yeah. stage pictures yeah like, it's really more the warriors yeah yeah um which is great and they're like we're gonna kill you as soon as we cross this one arbitrary street <laughs> right. and then of uh-huh. course the babysitter is like could you just let us off before you kill us and then goaded by Daryl, the dweeby little kid, is like, you don't talk to her that way, you filthy big city scum. Which is like, that's not the appropriate tactic. Yeah. You need to apologize for calling her a bitch. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, he gets stabbed in the toe. Yeah. They take him to a hospital. They have a 12-second death scare. Yeah, he gets... Just a single stitch. <sighs> then they end up at a frat party. Where Prince Charming is. Where Prince Charming is. Everybody thinks that she's Miss March. Um, a drunk lady at the frat party is straight up trying to bone zone this 15-year-old mm-hmm. kid. It's gross. <laughs> uh, well, that's a, it, it, and it's the funny thing is that, you know, it looks like the kid is 12 and then they're 30. But yeah. they're supposed to be like... Only like 19? four years difference. I don't know. It was still gross. Um, and then the, the father of the bride, Prince Charming, is the husband from Father of the Bride, drops them off at Dawson's garage. Because I guess he's the, the guy still dropped yeah. off their car. Yeah. Oh, they run into him, right? The fraternity takes up the uh, money to, to give to her. Yeah. And then they, they're helping her pay for it to get their car out of the... Uh, the tow station. Yep. Whatever. So then this is where the things shot. get really crazy, you guys. <laughs> Everything up until now has basically made sense. Uh, but they go to the Dawson's garage where Vincent D'Onofrio lo- resembles Thor. Yes. At first, Blonde he's like, blacks. this is a big city and I won't take $45 because you owe me $50. So get out of here, you kids. Yeah, and she 100% believes that he is legitimately Thor. Yeah. She has mixed up Chicago for New York. Uh-huh. Because obviously, Thor lives in New York City. Right. That's my pet peeve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so pre- pleasantly surprised that Vincent D'Onofrio is the the beefcake Thor. Yeah. In this. Well, and she convinces him like through through her like she offers him the hammer, right? right? And and he's like, "Okay, fine, take your car." Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, he ultimately is all gruff and and she warms his heart just a little smidge. Mhm. She offers her helmet and he's like, "No, I got one at home." Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's a helmet. Um all right. So 
There are 12 more things that happen in this movie, friends. <laughs> yeah, a th- lot more things it, it happen. It feels like this is about where the movie is... Starting finish, to slow down. Is finishing, and then and then it's like, ooh, there's like 30 minutes left. Yep, we get more of Barb at the bus station. Uh, not, it's not Barb. It's Brenda. Love Barb. Hate Brenda. Yeah. Um, the next thing that happens is that apparently... Yeah, literally this- my notes are after... Uh, there's a fucking Vincent D'Onofrio in this. Yep. Is the next note is wow, this movie keeps going. Yep. Well, and also like the geography makes no sense because they're in like the slums of downtown, right, on their way to the bus station when they see the French restaurant that she was supposed to go to with Bradley Whitford. Right. And they see Bradley Whitford's car. Right, which has the license plate. So, so cool. Did you? Did you read the trivia? That's actually Bradley, Bradley Whitford's car. car with the. It, that's also his license plate. Yep, it's a red Camaro that says "so cool." So that's now we awesome. learned a little something about Bradley Whitford. He is so cool. So they go in to confront him, and and Elizabeth Shue is like, "I thought you loved me. Like you lied to me, and you're here with this other woman." And he's like, "He's just a total dick about it." He's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. what about it? Get out of here, you!" So the little kid is like. You should be so lucky to have a girl like Chris, and you're just wasting it away, and you're not even worth it. And then Anthony Rapp right. like pushes him into another table. Yeah, the the problem at this point is that there's too many payoffs that that they felt like they needed to pay off, like uh-huh. standing up to Bradley Whitford. Um, the you know the kids have it. You know, I feel like after they get their car, that their journey is kind of closing around and so but but it's not three more got, things happen they've got all these different threads in terms of like the the bad guys winning the playboy yep. and accidentally bumping into her the, the kid's parents yeah so like while this is happening while they're confronting uh mike at the french restaurant sarah escapes and uh, tries to go to a toy store and gets kidnapped essentially by the bad guys runs to her parents building where they are at a party and then, like, is being pursued by these bad guys who are like, we just want the thing we think you've got. She doesn't have it. But they're like, we just give us the thing we think you've got. And she's like, no, I'm going <laughs> to climb out of a window of a high rise yeah, and slide down the front of a high rise building because that seems like a safer choice. And then he tries to rescue her. Like, the medium bad guy is like, don't. Hey, like, let's forget this whole magazine thing. Like, I can call Jeff back and get those numbers again. Like, (laughs) please climb in off the side of this building. Like, he's trying to help her. And he even says, like, it's dangerous. Like, grab this rope. Like, he tries to pull her in. She's like, no. She lets go. He comes to try and rescue her. And she's like, fuck you. (laughs) Like, scoots away. (laughs) Anyway, the sexy car thief gets the Playboy. They leave the guy who tried to rescue the little girl out on the end of a building. He's probably dead now. They go get Brenda. They're like, let's go home. But one more thing needs to happen. No, two more things. <laughs> At least two more things happen. They see the parents while they're driving home. They have to race against the clock to beat them home. Everything turns out fine. But still, her knight in shining armor has to find her. Mm-hmm. And 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 return the slipper. Yep, which is a skate. <laughs> it's a little girl skate. 
that she, being a safe person from the suburbs, had no idea she shouldn't put her entire name and address on. <laughs> um, so she brings the skate back and they kiss. They kiss at the end. And the kid, the kid who is in love with her is like looking out the window and he's like, okay, I guess it's probably better for her to be with a college guy. And then he's like looking out the window and he's like, oh, shucks. <laughs> and, then that's it. and then no he goes inside he closes the window he closes the blinds and then he shuts the blinds and then you hear a gunshot <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets me um yeah yeah that's really it's just, sad it's like this is insane 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 but i do love the part where she, brenda's like you gotta take me home chris and she's like no fuck you find your own way home this is all your fault. And meanwhile, uh, the kids are all like, this is the best night of my entire life. Can we do it again next Friday? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not a good movie. <sighs> it doesn't make up for it doesn't make up for the things that suck about it with humor. And it doesn't make up for the things that suck about it with charm. And I don't think it's because I don't think it's Elizabeth Shue's fault. I don't think it's any of the actors fault. Mm-hmm. I think it's the movie's fault. I would blame a couple of the actors, but yeah, I think it's the movie's fault. Like I, I, I was pretty miserable with the kids' performances, except for the little girl. Mm. You didn't like dudes. Anthony Rapp. I like Anthony Rapp, but I, not in this movie. Not in this movie. But I mean, with what the character was. Yeah, the character is just a sleaze. Like, like somebody would have slapped that kid in the face and put him in a mental institution a if he walked around yeah. b- behaving that way. Um. Yeah, like I would liken him to Buzz, right? The the just unapologetically mean older brother in Home Alone. Mm. It's just like a character with no redeeming qualities. Um, and I guess I guess there is a running joke too, as well throughout like all Christopher Columbus movies, where someone hits a lawn jockey, which is like only funny <laughs> uh-huh. if you live in a suburb. But yeah, I, I just think that things that are so tone deaf and out of touch and gross about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, undo anything that's cute or charming about it and like people loved this movie uh there was two times that it was tried to be spin off into a tv show no it, there it, yeah yeah there, there's a there is a tv movie version of this uh like what 2016 um i don't know there was one in in uh, uh 1989 with brian austin green <laughs> and then i know they did it one other time um yeah i think it was super recent so here are all the people who they wanted to play the Elizabeth Shue role before they got to Elizabeth Shue. Um, they actually offered it to Melanie Griffith and Tatum O'Neill, who said, no, thank you. Uh, Sharon Stone and Kelly McGillis, uh, who is the love interest in Top Gun, were both like, we'll do that movie. And the filmmakers were like, no, thank you. And then they also considered Brooke Shields, Kathleen Turner, who, like, they don't seem like they're in the right age category. No, no. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Jodie Foster, and Michelle Pfeiffer. So, like... They all turned it down, yeah. Yep. Basically everybody. Yeah. Elizabeth, she was super charming. She was... Yeah, she was great. I liked her very much. Yeah. Um, And it's like, she's, like, basically playing the same character that she is in Back to the Future Part 2, right? <laughs> right. Just someone who's... In a in a bad situation, um, ugh. but yeah, like I don't know. It's so hard to even compare this movie to something else ugh, because it just like, in my opinion, 
<laughs> it doesn't hold up. Like, yeah. the story could hold up, like, if you made it, maybe made it a little bit more um, modern, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm curious what the, that recent TV movie changed. Yeah, maybe we'll have to take a, take a peek at that. But, like, yeah, it's so clear that this was just written from the point of view of somebody who's never been outside of their little world. And, like, oh, what's scary out there? What will happen to me when I go out there in that big scary, ew, the city? What? Ew, gross. <laughs> no one goes to the city and comes back alive. It's like Mordor and it's Chicago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, like, I, I can't in good good faith and confidence recommend this movie like i i my kids did not think it was fun or funny yeah um they were groaning a lot Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't i don't see very many redeeming qualities yeah and i hate to say it i mean because it's a bummer you want to love even the the smallest little things Mm -hmm. you know you i ultimately you put on any movie you know and you're rooting for it to be good yeah. You know, or something in it. Well, and I picked this movie. Um, we had sort of a last minute swaparoo. Right. And I picked this movie to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be great. Like, yeah. We'll all sit down and watch it together. It's going to be so much fun. It was not <laughs> indeed fun. So on a scale of one Playboy <laughs> to ten How many centerfolds? Playboys. How many centerfolds? How many, how many Miss Marches? Uh, I'm going to go with four. Yeah. And that's just out of like not wanting to be a hater. Mm. I think I'm going to go even lower because I, I'm mad at this movie. Ah, okay. For um, being better in my memory than it is in real life. Yeah. Um, so vengeance. It's a vengeance three. I'm giving it a vengeance three. Okay. Yeah. Same thing. Or like whatever I gave young guns because they're like, no, I loved that movie. <laughs> yeah. I had the vengeance because yeah. I loved young guns and it yeah. was like oh, oh no this movie sucks yeah it's no good yeah. we should not watch it anymore or we should come with one of those disney plus warnings where it's like <laughs> um there may be some culturally insensitive material right. in here that was totally okay with us all the time enjoy um all right so do you have a deep cut recommendation i do okay so this is another um uh i uh, this is this is another kind of wild night all these things happen and i've come back transformed uh which is american graffiti oh yeah, yeah um, good job. so th- that that's a uh, i that's um it is surprisingly groundbreaking when you revisit it and you think about the movies that came before and whatever like mm-hmm. um uh it's very adult it's very almost documentarian in the way that it's it's told um, and also just, um, you know, like other behind the scenes of like, you really didn't have these wall to wall music movies, mm-hmm. like, you know, like where you'd have like a big soundtrack after it, there was like some, what are called like needle drops, you know, mm-hmm. and it had like 12 or 18 or whatever. It was just like a ton of popular um, uh, music from that age to transform you. And that was a huge deal. Yeah. And 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 from there on in, you had like these big, you had these uh, these uh, these big albums of like all the music from this movie kind of thing. But also just in terms of like, not only in terms of of storytelling, you know, it, it's a it's a very human movie for George Lucas, um, who then late this was it was a massive success and and let him do Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like um, just like this, there was all these. Um, 
um, I'm talking about all the technical stuff, but I mean, it's like I still think about moments about um, growing up and learning these lessons, and there are some stuff that were like Richard Dreyfus gets in with a gang, you know, <laughs> but it's not like an all minority gang, yeah, and but it feels like very real because mm. there's like this documentary way that they film it. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's like, you know, seeing all these other different because you have all these different characters having different experiences. They all get their kind of their own little stories. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. Then it's a much better movie than this is. Yes. <laughs> um, OK. So once again, you've done a very good job and I'm going to do a very bad job. Uh, and I'm going to recommend a movie that that might also be terrible. Uh, I'm going to recommend. <laughs> don't... So that's the theme. Also yeah. may be terrible. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, which I also haven't watched since I was a kid. I remember liking it, but it's probably pretty terrible. Um, Christina Applegate, they get left a, a, a home with a mm. babysitter. The babysitter dies and then she decides to like go get a job because they she needs to learn to be responsible and on and on and on. And I don't know. David Duchovny's in it. That's all I remember vaguely. So I want you to watch it and tell me <laughs> if it doesn't hold up and is terrible. Um, but Great. yeah, that's all I that's can good. think of. Like, I don't have anything good. Like, No, no. I, I think we have our, our recommendations appeal to different categories. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm hitting that lowbrow category. I'm here for you. Um, okay, so where can people find all things Squishy Studios? Squishystudios.com. Excellent. Yay, and how about you? Uh, well, everybody can find anything about NCT Improv Comedy Club at nctphoenix.com. It's so good that we have websites for our things. <laughs> Um, rarely updated websites <laughs> uh, speaking of um, websites for things you can find the episode post and other exciting stuff at mostexcellentpod.com mm -hmm. uh, including links to all of our like you know all of our social media uh, find us on social media say hi tell us why you think that we were completely wrong about adventures and babysitting right. um we are prepared to accept your wrath. Yeah, let us know uh, what movie you think we should do next. Yeah. Um, say hi to us, whatever you want to do. Uh, and also, don't forget to like, rate, thumbs up, subscribe, review, all that stuff. Interact with us. We want you to do it. Uh, and, you know, as always, thank you for listening. And while you're out there in the world, remember to keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and party, party on, on, dudes. dudes.